0: your love this morning. Where would we be without the love of God? The unconditional love of God has affected each one of us in so many different ways. And we're so grateful today that we can intersect afresh and anew with your love, that you would lay your life down for us. Father, we're grateful for your example because so many of our first responders, so many of those that have worked so hard during this pandemic, have also laid their life down for others, and we're so grateful for each one of them today. And Father, our hearts are open. We're ready to receive. We thank you for truth, truth that pierces our heart, truth that breaks through every obstacle, every challenge of our lives, everything that seems dead, everything that seems so overwhelming, everything, Father God, that would seem like there's just not an answer, there's not a way through. But thank you for resurrection today. Thank you that we are alive because you're alive. And we're grateful that we have a hope, a, a living hope, a certain hope in you today. We'll give you all the praise. we we'll give you all the honor, all the glory. You're the only one that's worthy of it all. All of God's people said a big amen, a big amen today. God bless you. Happy Resurrection Sunday, everybody. He is risen. Let's try that again. He is risen. Amen. He is risen indeed. Amen. We're just so grateful today that you're here in the room, up in the cafe. God bless each one of you that are up in the overflow today. You that are joining us online today at home. Thank you for being a part of us today. I know we sold out so fast, and and uh, trust me, we're working hard uh, to add multiple services, and in due time, we're going to do our very best to to make sure that we have room for everyone, but we're just so glad. Thank you for each one of you that are with us today, and I, I want to give a big shout-out to my family, my Italian family. I know my aunt and cousins are watching in Toronto, Canada. My aunt is watching in Texas. You know, my, my mom comes from 11 children, so I have a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins that are watching today, and I say to all of you, Bona <laughs> Buona Pasqua. Buona Buona to all of you. Amen. And uh, we're glad you're with us today. I have the highest of all honors today. I really do. And it's the, the privilege of sharing the greatest story ever told in human history. It's Christ's story. It's his story of death and resurrection. You know, Christ's story is an epic story. It's an epic story of failure and betrayal. An epic story of love and redemption. An epic story of forgiveness and restoration. You know, I'm so grateful. The story is just, you know, it's way too big to share in one setting, but each detail is so full of life that even the repeated small doses of the story brings wholeness to every part of our human existence because his story is so big and so full of life. Any one of us that would intersect with his story, we have our own story, don't we? We have a story of redemption, a story of forgiveness, a story of hope, a story of healing and wholeness in our lives. Millions of people have a new story because of his one story. I have a story and thousands of you have a story today. And and if your new story hasn't started yet, guess what? It can start today. Amen. I've entitled today's message, Love Wins. How many know love wins? Yes. Love always wins. And I want to talk to you and unpack that today, how love wins. Jesus' crucifixion was the most hideous, grotesque scene, event known in humankind hundreds of years in advance. The prophet Isaiah, he saw it this way in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 2 to 6. He says, he was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and the people turned away. We looked down on him and thought he was scum. But the fact is, he was he was our pains. It was our pains he carried. His our disfigurements and all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, but God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped him and tore him and crushed him. Our sins. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. That's such great news today. Amen. Throughout history, crucifixion remains the most horrid form of execution. But don't you think for one moment that those nine inch iron spikes kept him on that cross, for truly it was love that kept him on that cross. It was love that held him on that cross. It was the love of, of God, his love for mankind and every one of us that would come after him. They hung him high, they stretched him wide, the ground got nervous and started to tremble. Um, and and we know that even the sun turned its back. All of hell stood the attention while demons began rejoicing. See, thousands of angels stood as archers waiting to be dispatched to come to his rescue, but during his six hours of suffering, they were never called upon. With the weight of all the sins, past, present, and future, the Bible records that right before Jesus died, he made one statement that would transform mankind and change our lives forever. Found in John chapter 19 verse 30, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Wow. It is finished. Out of all the seven statements that Jesus made on the cross, this is probably the most important one because it has such destiny altering truth all wrapped into it. A life intersecting with this statement, a life that understands this statement, a life that receives this statement, is a life that will never, ever again be the same, no matter what your past, no matter what today, and no matter what is facing you in the years to come. It is finished, found only in the Gospel of John. Um, this Greek word is trans- that translated, it is finished, is, is, um, is, it is finished. Testoletai, an accounting term that means it is accomplished, it is paid in full. It is accomplished, it is paid in full. When Jesus uttered those words, he was declaring the debt owed to his father was wiped away completely and forever. See, not that Jesus wiped away any debt he owed to the father. Jesus eliminated the debt owed by mankind, the debt of sin, your sin, and my sin. See, it's this word that we would use when maybe uh, someone would reach the peak of Mount Everest. It's the word that someone would use when they finally handed in their final copy of their dissertation. It's the word someone would use when they paid their final payment on their house mortgage. It's the word somebody would use when they finally finished their first Boston Marathon. See, it's not a word that says that means I survived and I barely made it. It means I did exactly what I set out to do. But there's more. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, he meant it was finished in the past, it is still finished in the present, and it will remain finished in the future. Wow, what a powerful statement when he said, it is finished, hallelujah. I successfully completed the work I came to do. This happened, and it's still in effect today. To the, to the last eye, then, is the Savior's final cry. Amen. When he died, he left no unfinished business behind. When he said is finished, he was speaking the truth because he bore our sin, every kind of sickness and disease, all our shame and guilt, and the ultimate price for your freedom. In fact, 1 Peter 3.18 says it this way, For Christ died for sins. Once and for all, say that with me, once and for all. Come on, say it like I mean it. Once and for all, all, a good man on behalf of sinners in order to lead you to God. That was always God's master love plan. Now, you'll notice Jesus never said, I'm finished. That would imply that he died defeated and helpless. No, there was no quit in Jesus. Jesus never tapped out. (laughs) But don't you think for a moment that he wasn't tempted to. Was he tempted to quit? You know he was. Absolutely. That's why his words are so meaningful when he boldly declares, it is finished. A cry of defeat? Hardly. And I could imagine that that had his hands not been fastened to that cross, I could picture Jesus in my imagination at that moment when he cried, it is finished, that he would raise a a fist towards victory and punch the dark sky when he said, it is finished. It's a statement of celebration. It's a statement of redemption. It's a statement that you can take to the bank. It's a statement that is emphatic. It's a statement that says there is no doubt. There's no reason to doubt. It is finished. The price has been paid once and for all. Wow. Amen. The reward always goes to the finisher. It never goes to the starter, right? To the one who sticks it out into the end, always gets the reward. But unfortunately, our human tendency is, is to quit way too soon. And our human tendency is to stop before we cross the finish line. Are you quitting? to closing? Are you quitting and and quitting? Are you that close that that you would say, you know what, I don't know if I can go on any longer. I don't know if I can stay in this marriage. Uh, Are you a discouraged parent? Are you weary in doing good? Is there more negative than positive in your life? Are you overwhelmed by the conditions of your relationship? Are you struggling with forgiving others and especially yourself? Uh, Is your day framed with dark thoughts and constant sorrow is hope a forgotten word. See, remember something. A finisher is not the one with no wounds or weariness. Quite the contrary. He, like the warrior, is scarred and bloodied. The fighter, like our master, is pierced and full of pain, but he remains. He remains. I believe because of his example. I believe because of that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Those of us who are scarred and bloody. Those of us that are in the place where we've our storm has lasted way longer than we ever thought. The battle, the challenge, the physical challenge, the constant financial challenge, the constant battle in my mind to stay healthy. Every one of us have the opportunity to quit, and so many do, but thank God for Jesus and his example because no matter how long, no matter how hard, no matter how painful, no matter how challenging, aren't you glad that Jesus remained? He didn't quit. He stood his ground, enabling every one of us walk warriors today to stand our ground and to stand our ground indeed in Jesus' name. Amen. On the third day, he came out of that grave and said what? I was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. Amen. Resurrection teaches us that God will always finish what he started. No matter how dark it looks, no matter how long it's been, no matter how many people are trying to push you down, if you'll just but believe, God will always take you from Friday to Saturday. He will always complete what he started in you. In fact, Resurrection Sunday is the perfect day for one dead season to end and another new season to finally begin. Amen. That's the story of the resurrection. Now think about this for a moment. Think about the three crosses on Calvary's hill. Think about those three crosses, that familiar sight that we have seen over and over and over in our lives. Ever wonder why there's two crosses next to Christ? Why aren't there four? Why aren't there five or six? And why is Christ? Why is Jesus in the middle and not on the left or the right? Could it be that the two crosses on the hill symbolizes one of God's greatest gifts, the gift of choice? Let's think about this this morning. Let me provoke your thoughts here on Easter Sunday. In every age of history, in every page of scripture, the truth is revealed. God always is there to encourage us to make our own choices. God always allows us To make our own choices. And no one delineates this more clearly than Jesus. According to him, we can choose life or death. A narrow road or the wide road. Right? A positive attitude or a negative one. God's truth or man's opinion. Build on a rock or you can build on the sand. God always gives eternal choices. And these eternal choices have consequences two criminals who have so much in common, one who was on his left and one who was on his right, convicted by the same system, condemned to the same death, surrounded by the same crowd, equally close to Jesus. In fact, they both began to make fun. They both had tremendous sarcasm and and began to deride and demean Jesus. And the Bible tells us that both criminals said cruel things to Jesus. But you know what? One changed. Luke twenty three forty two says, He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. You know, the only thing that's more outlandish than the request was the fact that it was granted. Much has been said about the prayer of the penitent thief, and certainly warrants our imagination and warrants our thoughts to say, wow, here at the last moments of this man's life, he cries out to God and God answers his prayer. But what about the thief who didn't change? Dare we forget about him? What about him, Jesus? Wouldn't a word of encouragement been good at that moment? Uh, wouldn't a word of persuasion but have been timely at that moment? See, there are times when God sends the truth to stir us. There are times where God sends uh, encouragement to help us. But then there are times when God sends nothing but silence as he honors the freedom to choose where we spend eternity. What an honor that is. Think about it for a moment. In so many areas of our lives, we have no choice. Think about it. You don't choose your parents you don't choose your siblings, you don't choose your race, you don't choose your birth order. Sometimes our lack of choices angers us. It's not fair, you might say. It's not fair that I was born in poverty. It's not fair that I was born into such dysfunction. It was not fair that I was born in such a difficult neighborhood. It's not fair that, that I, I, have, I have no ability to sing, or it's not fair that, that I run so slow, right? But all complaints were silenced. And the scales of life were forever tipped on the side of fairness when God created men and women with their own free will. What a gift God gave us. What a gift. He didn't make you a robot. He didn't make you someone who had no choice. He gave you the greatest of all gifts, the gift of free will, the gift that you can make your choice. The gift that you had the right to make that decision. God doesn't twist our arm. God doesn't make life so bad and that we have to cry uncle at some point and say, you know, finally you're going to give in. God doesn't do that. He's a gentleman. God doesn't knock down the door of our hearts. The Holy Spirit doesn't rush in and ram through and make you do certain things that you don't ever want to do. As much as we don't want to make the poor choices that oftentimes we have in our lives, it is one of the greatest gifts that God has given mankind, the gift of of choice. The free will. Thank God every one of us have the gift of free will. The freedom to make whatever eternal choices we desire. Listen very carefully. Here's why this is important. Any injustice in this life offsets by the honor of choosing forgiveness and restoration in this life and our destiny in the next. Would you have wanted it the other way around? Would you choose You choose everything in this life, and he chooses where you spend the next? You choose the size of your nose, you choose the color of your hair, you choose the DNA structure, and he chooses where you'd spend eternity? Is that what you would prefer? See, when it comes, when it came to your life on earth, there were certainly things you weren't given a voice or a vote. But when it comes to your quality of life on earth and life after death, you were. You were. That's the, the privilege of this gift of choice. You choose, you can choose only to live for this life you can choose only to live for the day you can choose only to live for that promotion you can choose only to live for that relationship at that moment you can choose to live for those one night stands you can choose for the for the parties on the on the weekends you can choose for all those things that are just for the moment, you can choose all those things that would, would, that would stimulate your intellect and that would cause your body to become strong and healthy. You can choose all those things if you so desire. That's your choice. You have the freedom to make that choice, but once you make your choice, your choice will always control you. You can't complain about the choice you made. You made that choice. You made that choice. You did it yourself. And while it is our choice, aren't you glad that that's not the only choice we have? Amen. See, Deuteronomy thirty nineteen says this, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. The freedom of choice. Have we been given any greater privilege than that? Not only does this privilege offset any injustice, it's a gift that's free that also offsets any mistakes we've made in our lives. Think about the thief who repented. Though we know little about him, we know this. We know he made some bad mistakes in his life. We know that he chose the wrong crowd. We know that he had a wrong set of values. We know that he had wrong behavior. The fact that he was crucified means that he was a very evil man. You don't get crucified unless you were labeled an evil man. Unless you were labeled someone who was uh, against the government and you were, you were wanting to uh, circumvent uh, the, 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 the government's way, or you, had, you committed such evil against people or even your own people, that's why crucifixion happened. So the fact that these men were, were being crucified means they, they earned this crucifixion. But would you consider the penitent thief's life a waste? Is he spending eternity reaping the fruit of all the bad choices he made? No, just the opposite. He is enjoying the fruit of the one good choice he made. In the end of all his bad choices, they were redeemed by one solitary good choice. Wow. Think about this. The next person that entered into heaven after Jesus was an ex con If that doesn't tell you the heart of God, if that doesn't tell you the... First first person after Jesus was not some princely person or some person who lived this religious life. It was not some person who had it all together. It was not some person who lived this Boy Scout, Girl Scout life to say, man, look at me, aren't I something? I've lived my life with such perfection. I've lived my life making so many wonderful choices. I'm telling you, the fact that the next person after Jesus was an ex-con means there's hope for everybody. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. There's hope for you today watching online. There's hope for you today in the cafe. That tells you God's heart right, there, right up to last night, up to this morning. You could be living the worst life possible. But one choice, one solitary choice can change your life forever. That's the story of Easter. When you understand the scene between Jesus and the penitent criminal, if you'll listen carefully, you can actually hear his thoughts. Here's what I hear. Oh, my life is so hopeless right now. I'm going to die in a matter of hours. Die humiliated and defeated. But maybe, just maybe, Jesus might be my hope. Maybe there really is a God who loves me. Maybe there really is a God who cares. Maybe there is a God who opens his heart to the hopeless and Maybe there's a God who, who gives second chances. See, I'm sure you understand and can relate because we've all made bad choices. We've all hung out with the wrong crowd. We all have regrets. We all still might have some skeletons in our closets that we hope is never, are never discovered. You look back over your life and you say, if only, if only I could make up for all those bad choices. If only I could make up for all that wasted time. If only I could make up all the, 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 the lives that I've hurt over the years. Well, the good news is you can. You can. You see, one good choice for eternity offsets a thousand bad choices on earth. Wow. That's love. That's how love wins. How could two men see the same Jesus and one choose to mock him and the other choose to pray to him. I don't know, but they did. And when one prayed, Jesus loved him enough to save him. And when one mocked him, Jesus loved him enough to let him. He allowed him the choice. He does the same for you and me. You see, redemption had a price. When you understand the price of love, you'll recognize the value every person God made. The enormous price God paid in full for our redemption reveals the great value that God has in his eyes for you and for me. His great love for each one of us. Jesus suffering his death on the cross, his victorious resurrection reveals just how far God's love will reach to everyone in need. Love wins because the price was paid Once and for all, the shedding of blood, the broken body, the resurrection for all of man's sins. Love wins by making sure you have a choice to believe and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In closing, 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says, What a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. The future starts today. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's no better time to get on the road to forgiveness and restoration than today. Receive him. Receive the truth and let it transform every aspect of your life. Today can be the first day of your life. You might be thinking, well, how do I make that right choice, pastor? I'm glad you asked. Romans 10, my final verse, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's not, it doesn't get any simpler than that today. Let's don't make it complicated. Don't beat yourself up. Don't, don't over-agonize the past. Yes, be sorrowful. Yes, Understand there was a better way. Yes, let's learn from our lessons. Yes, those of you that are watching online, those of you in the cafe today, yes, let's learn. Let's let's understand, but let let's allow love into our hearts today. Love into the most important broken pieces of our life today. Because if we'll just open our door to love, the love that God shared, the love that Jesus showed, well. Open up our lives so that every one of us can be on the winning side today. With every head bowed, please. Every believer praying with me. Thank you, Jesus. I pray right now that here in the sanctuary, in the cafe, in your home today, that you would all bow your heads. Grateful for the gift of choice. Grateful for Jesus declaring In celebration, it is finished. See, there is nothing like the love of God. That's only part of the love story that I shared with you today. And I believe that if you'll intersect your life with this love story, you will never be the same again. Have you made that choice? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you opened up your heart and allowed him in to forgive you from your sin? Maybe as a believer, have you have you been so close to quitting, so close to say, I'm done? Man, you don't even know how much I'm suffering. You don't know how hard this is to keep going home, how hard it is to, to live with this man, this woman, these children, these issues, my shame, my guilt today. We can make a decision to stand tall and stand strong and know that God loves us. And it's the resurrection story that we can intersect with, not just today, but every day of our lives that gives us hope. As you're praying today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you that are in the sanctuary, joining us online, in the cafe, I'm going to ask you in a moment just to to raise your hand, just say, that's me, I, I need Jesus today. I want to make this choice and open up my heart. Declare with my mouth, he's my Lord. Believe that God raised him from the dead. And I too want my life changed and brand new. That's you today. Pastor, pray for me, please. Will you lift your hand nice and high? I want to pray for you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Who else today? Over here. Thank you, sir. I see it. God, thank you. I see it back there. God bless you. Yes, thank you. I see it. God bless you. Hallelujah. Anybody else today? I know there are many online. Thank you. Yes, I see it, ma'am. Thank you. You can chat with us there, declare there online that you are the one who's giving their life to Christ. And up in the cafe, Pastor Tom is with you. And I'm sure recognizing those hands that are being raised up in the cafe today, we're going to pray for you. Let's all stand to our feet. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Amen. So glad you watched today. So glad you're with us today. Let's pray this prayer together, all of us together, online. Join us, please, in the cafe. Join us, please. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. I want to make the right choice. I choose to declare, Jesus, you are my Lord. Forgive me from my sin. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for your shed blood. I declare you as Lord and Savior, and I receive by faith forgiveness, eternal life, salvation. I will never be the same because of my choices. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Will you give God a round of applause today? Give Him praise. Give Him glory for His goodness today. Come on. Give Him praise and a shout to Jesus today. You're an awesome good God. Hallelujah. God bless you.